0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DieCast Movie Review Podcast. My name is Michaela, and I'm joined here with my dad, Stephen, and my brother, Ben, and also by our lovely guest host, Tracy. Uh, Tracy, would you like to say hi to everybody? Hi there. And so, Tracy, you and your husband do a podcast called Disney Indiana. Um, Do you want to... I talk about that for a little bit and then I can play the uh,
1: promotion for it. That sounds great. Yeah. The Disney Indiana podcast is a bi weekly show where we talk about any and everything related to Disney. That includes the larger Disney verse with the Muppets, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. Pretty much if the mouse has had a, a hand in it, we're willing to talk about it. We've had uh, interviews with other Disney fans or people who are somehow involved in the Disney company. We have uh, played a lot of park audio when we visit the parks. We always bring our recorder with us and do ride-throughs and shows that we share with the listeners. And, um, yeah, we have a good time. Yeah, it's actually a
0: really good podcast. I know I listen to it and my dad also listens to it. And so here is the promotion for their podcast.
2: Uh, sorry for the holdup, folks. There seems to be a slow-moving podcast up ahead, so we're going to have to sit here for a spell. Uh, now, uh, you just remain seated with your headphones on, and we'll be right with you.
1: Darn it. The episode was just getting
3: good. Yep, I never missed this show. Now what are we going to do?
1: Well, we could tell folks about our show, the Disney Indiana podcast.
3: Well, in our bi-weekly episodes, we discuss books, movies, music, theme parks, video games, and whatever else in the Disney-verse we want to talk about. Playful spooks have interrupted our show. Please remain seated in your
4: MP3 mobile.
1: We also like to share audio clips, interviews, and other surprises along the way. If you enjoy all aspects of the mouse, come hang out in Disney Indiana.
3: You can find us at www.disneyindiana.com or subscribe to our show within iTunes. We are also featured on Reedy Creek Radio on live365.com and the Disney Community of Tomorrow at d cotcom
1: You won't find Disney Indiana on any map. It's a state of mind, or more precisely, a state of heart
3: hopefully our podcast won't break down now
1: hey uh here comes a podcaster if you
0: would please exit your mp3 mobile and follow me out of the podcast thank you okay and that was the wonderful promotion for disney indiana and so next we're gonna go and see how ben's
4: doing just before we go to ben um Tracy, you also have do things on uh, We Belong Stuffed.
1: Yes. Uh, actually, the name I'm using now is Stuffed with Character because I've got a couple of different product lines, so to speak. I make soft, stuffed, handmade figures based on your favorite fandom characters. So the We Belong Stuffed is for classic monster and horror movies. And I also do a Stuffed Marvels line where I do the Marvel characters. But along the way, I've done a couple of Star Wars characters, a Harry Potter figure, and I'm going to be working on a 13th Doctor for my sister-in-law from Doctor Who. If you're interested in finding out more about that, especially with the holidays coming up, you can go over to Facebook.com and do a search for Stuffed With Character.
4: I know. I know I have a creature from the Black Lagoon of yours, and uh, really good job. Enjoy the work.
1: Thank you. I, I enjoy putting them together.
0: Okay, and so, Ben, is there anything you want to share with people?
3: Um, right now I'm not up to a whole lot. We are approaching finals week as this has been recorded. So there goes my life. I'm sorry
4: for you, Ben.
1: Okay. Anything? You, you'll else? come out the other side stronger.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have a you have winter break afterwards, and so your birthday.
3: Yes, I was awesome born be. Christmas Eve. So that's that's coming on soon.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, Dad, is there anything you wanna share? <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, nothing really happened. At, um. Uh, recently, I just want to again talk about, like Tracy mentioned, the Disney in here podcast. You s- also mentioned that um, we both listened to it. And it's been I've been listening to it for the last couple of years. And if anybody, as the podcast thing said, if you're interested in anything, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, I mean, not like there's anything Star Wars out recently or Disney, <laughs> Disney Plus, but uh, it, it, it's something very good to listen to. And I've, I've, what I have been watching is Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. And I've mm. seen the first three episodes, Trace. I don't know if you have. I know Michaela has not, I don't think. But Ben and I both have, and we've both been enjoying it greatly.
1: Oh, so so have Scott and I. In fact, I will probably be designing um, The Child as one of my stuffed with character figures here in any moment.
4: <laughs> I, I, um, uh, I think I might be purchasing one then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on, how could Ben's, Ben's nodding no? Which is great for an audio podcast, Ben. Thank you for helping yes. with that. But it's 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 a little Yoda. I need of, something how, to get with the, you for the, your birthday.
1: The cuteness is great within him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he is pretty cute.
4: Um, so, yes, I've been enjoying The Mandalorian.
1: Yep. And yeah, we're planning on talking about it. Maybe not in our next episode. We might wait for a couple more um, episodes of the show to roll out but that's definitely one of the items uh, of Disney Plus that Scott and I plan on reviewing in a future episode of the Disney Indiana podcast.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know there is not too much going on with me. I did just start my new job at a different library, so that's been uh, pretty nice. Um, so I've been doing that. I did watch, I started rewatching the Gummy Bears TV show on Disney Plus recently, and that's been very nice and nostalgic for
4: me. Okay. Anything going on with you, Tracy?
1: Excuse me. I'm just working on getting ready for the holidays, and... um looking forward to doing some traveling. We're actually going to be going to, to visit some friends out on the West Coast
4: over Christmas. Gee, I, I wonder who. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so is there anything anybody else wants to share before we start talking about um, the directors and some of the actors from the movie? Have we Said what movie we're going to oh. be talking
4: about yet? That's what That's I was going to say to her, too. <laughs> I forgot.
0: So, this episode, we will be talking about the Disney movie No Deposit, No Return. Um, hence, one of the reasons why we really wanted Tracy to be hosting this with us, with all of her Disney
1: knowledge. Um,
4: we understand you are the true power of the Disney Indiana podcast.
1: I do a lot of the research, I'll put it that way. Scott does the heavy lifting with the editing. Now, one thing I kind of want to say about this movie before we get started is what the title refers to. Because I suspect your younger listeners may have no idea what no deposit, no return means. This phrase is traced back to the soft drink industry. Long before aluminum cans and plastic bottles, soda was sold in glass bottles. And before the mid to late 1960s, if you purchased a bottle of soda, you paid a small deposit on the bottle itself. Now, I know that some states do that to help with recycling now, but this was standard procedure. Every bottling company did it, every city, every state. And then when you returned the bottle, you got your deposit back. In 1964, Pepsi introduced the concept of a one-way bottle that you could just throw away when you were done. So that's where the phrase no deposit, no return comes from because you didn't have to pay a deposit for the Pepsi bottles and you didn't have to return them.
0: Interesting. I don't think I knew that. Did either of you guys
1: know that?
4: Nope. Uh, I did. I didn't know it was Pepsi, but... I knew where the deposit the return came from.
0: (laughs) All right. So um, before we get into talking about the different people that were part of making the movie, we're going to go ahead and play the trailer for the movie. So here it goes.
2: Next on Walt Disney, they're just two innocent kids. Is this real dynamite? Trying to earn a little extra money.
5: Come on, Duke. Be a good guy
2: and kidnap us. They've got an ingenious plan. What is our next move? And a worried grandfather.
6: I shall first finish my breakfast.
2: Vic Tabak and David Niven, Darren McGavin, and Don Knotts star in No Deposit, No Return.
0: Okay, so that is the trailer for No Deposit, No Return. So, Dad, if you want to start by talking about the director.
4: Sure. Um, The director was Norman um, Tukar. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. And um, he's done a lot of Disney films um, prior to this and after this. Um, Some of the ones that I have seen, that um, Follow Me Boys um, was a Boy Scout leader, and uh, Fred McMurray was the the Scoutmaster and had Kurt Russell in it. And it's a nice one of those heartwarming films that takes place over like a 20, 30-year period. Uh, the Happiest Millionaire I know is one of Ben's favorite Disney movies. Yeah, He enjoys them, especially that song, um, what, what virtu, Virtuosity, Ben? Virtuosity.
3: It's my byword.
4: I, I love, don't, you, don't you like it, Trace? Want to get corrected in stereo?
1: <laughs> I was just going to comment on
4: that <laughs> uh, and then of course one of Michaela's films that she loves The Horse in the Gray Flannel Suit because she is a big Kurt Russell fan you know and, Who uh, it? Uh, well, I, I just enjoy my, one of my favorite movies of his is The Strongest Man in the World and uh, one day we're going to be doing a review of that one and um, if you ever want to jump in with us on that one just let us know and, How about
1: Escape from New York?
4: I don't know if those two have seen Escape from New York.
1: Oh,
4: I haven't oh seen my.
1: it. Yeah, if... Okay, yeah, if you guys ever cover Escape from New York, either, yeah, Get reach out to me or Scott, because I would love to talk with you guys about it. Especially if, if Michaela, if you've never seen it.
0: Cool. We will have to uh, reach out to you guys whenever we get around to reviewing it.
4: Yeah, but, Michaela, remember, you have a snake phobia? And... His character's name is Snake. Oh, joy. (laughs) So she'll have to get over something. And um, The Apple Dumpling Gang, which is a huge favorite of everybody in our household. I mean, that was one with Bill Bigsby, and it's just, just, again, another nice, great family film, just enjoyable. And uh, the last one I'll talk about is Candle Shoe, which is another one of Michaela's favorite films, with um, David Niven and Jodie Foster. And I'm trying to remember... Who else? There was. I'm trying to remember the aunt's name or the, the woman's name, but I can't off the top of my head. But those are a few of the things that he's done that most Disney fans that grew up and watched the movies in the '70s would know. And also, of course, my children just get to watch them because we owned them on VHS or DVD. And we, you know, and uh, th- when you have nice, good family shows, it's always good to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, Helen Hayes! How can I forget Helen Hayes? Michaela showed it to me. Anybody else want to talk about like any of those films I just mentioned or Norman Tokar?
1: I thought it was interesting. He actually kind of got into directing by working on Leave it to Beaver, a TV sitcom, and supposedly it was his success in working with the child actors that got Walt Disney interested in hiring him to work on family features for the Disney Studio.
4: Walt Disney was always great about finding talent and putting him in the right places and then letting him do their job. I mean, he was a master at it. Yeah. And, sadly, uh, Norman Tarkar died at age uh, 59. He died relatively young.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else anybody wants to say about him? No? Okay. So Tracy, I think you were going to talk about Darren McGavin.
1: So no deposit, no return. The two main adult characters are Don Knotts and Derek Don Knotts and Darren McGavin, who was actually born who was actually born William Lyle Richardson. He was known for kind of being gruff and grumpy, which is played to perfect example in this film. I know him best, and a lot of people my age know him best as the father from A Christmas Story. People a little bit older than us or who have an appreciation for classic television will probably know him from Kolchak.
4: I love Kolchak, the Night Stalker.
0: Not as much as I love Kolchak.
4: <laughs> no but comment. he thing? did.
1: Yep, he did appear in a couple of other Disney films: Hot, Lead, and Cold Feet. Probably the best known. And let's see what else. So, yeah, he did a lot of Broadway work, a lot of TV work, and that's kind of how he got into the movies. Um, He always looked like he was having a good time in the films he was in, even if his character was, was gruff and stern. I got the feeling that he wanted to be there, that he enjoyed acting. And he did, unfortunately, pass away in 2006. And he was married a couple different times. And he's actually from Spokane, Washington.
4: One of my favorite movies that he was in that doesn't have anything to do with Disney or Kolchak was The Natural with Robert Redford, where he played ah, the, right. the bad guy, so to speak. But you're right. He always brought. He was always a a consummate actor.
5: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add about Darren McGavin? Okay. And so Ben, you wanted to talk about Don Knotts.
3: Yes. So Don Knotts. His real name Jesse Donald Knotts. Um. He was born in 1924. And unfortunately, he did pass away in 2006. Um, He was best known for playing Barney Fife on The Andy Griffith Show, which originally he was supposed to play a character that was more of a straight man character, and Andy Griffith was supposed to be the funnier one. Apparently in the early filming, they figured out it did not work and that (laughs) Don Knotts was just way funnier than Andy Griffith was. And since then, he's been solid, performing in lots of, lots of comedies, and was even ranked 27th on the 50 Greatest TV Stars of All Time in 1979 by TV Guide.
1: And well-deserved, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: I really enjoyed him in The Incredible Mr. Limpet, I believe.
3: Mm -hmm. Is that the one where he turns into the fish? Yes. Yes. that was good.
1: Yeah. which certainly seems like it should be a Disney movie, but actually isn't.
3: Oh, it wasn't?
1: No, it's it's like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's a movie everybody thinks is a Disney movie, but isn't.
4: Well, you know, Tracy, if we just give it a few years, it will be a Disney movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I actually don't know who made um, The Amazing Mr. Limpet. If it was Fox, it's now a Disney property.
4: We'll, we'll have to look it up. <laughs>
0: And he was also in one of my favorite movies. The dad mentioned earlier that the at the same director, which was the Apple Dumpling Gang. Mm
3: -hmm. And he did also branch into horror with he did also branch into horror with the Ghost
4: and Mister Chicken.
1: For certain values of horror,
4: (laughs) (laughs) it's still a great film. It's still a fun one to watch.
1: Of course, of course. He's another actor that always looked like he was having fun with the roles he was playing.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you wanna add about Don Knotts, Ben?
3: Um. Nope. I. I think I've covered everything I wanted to talk about with Don Knotts.
0: Okay. Well, then I'm gonna move on to uh, David Niven who in this movie he played the grandfather J.W. Osborne. Um, but he was born James David Graham Niven, uh, in nineteen ten and sadly he passed away in nineteen eighty three. He was a English actor, uh, and novelist. Um, he had many different roles, um, over his life in throughout the course of his life. Um, he was in the movie Around the World uh, in 80 Days. Um, he was also in Pink Panther, and he won an Academy Award for Best Actor in his performance of Separate Tables in 1958. He was also in a couple of other Disney movies, uh, one of them being Candle Shoe. One of my favorite movies that he was in. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, I really do enjoy his character in this movie. Um, is there anything else you wanted to
1: add?
4: Anything you want to add, Tracy, before I add something?
1: On David Niven? He's actually one of the actors I'm least familiar with in this movie of the adults. So um, I remember him best as um, his role, minor role in the uh, Pink Panther, of all things.
4: There's there's two movies. One of them I think you probably have seen, the, the um, Around the World in 80 Days.
1: I actually have never seen that version. Oh, my. That I can remember. It's on my list.
4: It's uh, yeah. on
1: my very long
4: list. <laughs> my, my children are shocked because they've seen it. And it's like, oh, jeez. Well, he was, he was the star of that film. And it's, it's, it's uh, if you're watching that, all the different cameos by different actors and actresses of that era are, are, are mm-hmm. one of the things that's fun to pick out. And why, you know, it's like, oh, I know who that person is. Or, or if you don't know, you try to figure out who was that. And then you look them up to see why were they, you know, why did they get that cameo appearance? But it, that was a very good film. And um, the original Casino Royale, not right. the original one, but, because I think the first one was a TV movie, but the one that was in the movies with Woody Allen. And um, David Niven, of course, played James Bond. One
1: of the James Bonds.
4: Yes. one of the, Well, let's put it this <laughs> way. He's the only one that really mattered. <laughs> True. The main James Bond. And you've seen that one, right? Yes. As I say, knowing Scott as being a big James Bond fan, I'd be shocked if somehow you mm-hmm. you missed seeing that one. that one. That one, for those that have never seen it, one day we'll do a review of it, but it is it is a, a, a crazy fun film that's totally different than any James Bond movie that's ever been done. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's what you would expect if David Niven was actually James Bond.
1: With a little bit of it's a mad, 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 mad world thrown in.
4: Exactly, and uh, it's, it's and a, and a soundtrack that's just killer <laughs> <laughs> by Burt Bacharach, I think. I uh, think you're right. But David Niven, to me, always as an actor, always showed that cool, that calm, mm-hmm. never getting phased. And I think it's just not only as an actor, I think it applied to him as a real person, because as we all know, he was at the Oscars, and there was a streaker that ran by, and he was able to do one of the great off-the-cuff moments, which we're going to listen to now.
6: Now, to divulge the contents of this year's most important envelope, is a very important contributor to world entertainment, and someone quite likely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, um, that was almost bound to happen. But isn't it fascinating that <laughs> fascinating to think that, that probably the only laugh that man will ever get in his life is by stripping off and showing his shortcomings.
4: <laughs> uh doubt that, that's it's just one of those great moments in Oscar history and he was able mm-hmm. to, here you got a guy that's streaking behind you and he sees him at the corner of his eye. Everybody else is just like losing it, and he's just able to come up with this great one-liner.
1: <laughs> yes, keep, keeping his diploma the entire time, just like, oh, well,
4: unflappable.
1: Yes, yeah, that's the word I wanted.
4: But yeah, David. That, that, that after I mean, if you weren't a David Niven fan, after that, you would be a David Niven fan. <laughs>
0: Okay, and so, Dad, I believe you also wanted to talk about Kim Richards and Brad Savage.
4: Yeah, we have to talk about the children, because they actually are, we talked about the adult stars, but they're the two children stars. Kim Richards, who played Tracy, is also well-known in Disney films. She's done a lot of them. She's actually done a lot of work in films when she was a child into a young adult. Um, She did all the Witch Mountain movies? Escape to Witch Mountain, Return to Witch Mountain, and Race to Witch Mountain, mm-hmm. which she did as, as I think as an adult. I'm not sure if it was the same character or not. She, she was, in was a cameo. A cameo. She cameo. was a
0: waitress at a diner. a diner they stopped at.
4: Yep. Thank you, because I knew you two would know. I, like I said, my daughter's like my our Disney. My daughter is the Disney expert of the house. Don't don't play her and, you know, Tracy. It, it, if she mm-hmm. comes with us to Monster Bash one time. We'll bring the Disney trivia game, and then let you two just go head-to-head.
3: Wait, wait, wait. I would have beat her if I hadn't subbed out for Mom. Beaten her. I would have beaten her soundly. I was winning by a lot, and she even had a helper. Did you win? No, I switched out with Mom. Did you win? We were one space away from the end.
0: Technically, Ben, we were playing in pairs, so you and Mom were playing together the whole time. You just bailed on her at the end. It's your own fault.
3: I switched to do the dishes.
4: Ben, did you win? Get over it. Yes. (laughs) You did not. She also was in Assault on Precinct 13. I don't know if you knew that or not, Tracy. Tracy. Is that like an action horror film? It's an action movie. And Assault in Precinct 13, it was um, John Carpenter. And John Carpenter directed Escape from New York, if I remember correctly.
3: It's a triangle of connections.
4: Is that right, Tracy? John Carpenter directed those two movies?
1: I'm sorry, I was on mute. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I was yes. John Carpenter did direct Escape from New York, which, as we said earlier, stars Kurt Russell, which has, gives us our Disney connection.
4: See? Everything everything can go back to Kurt Russell.
1: Kurt Russell or Kevin Bacon?
4: Kurt Russell's better.
1: If it, yeah, if it's Disney, it's Kurt Russell.
4: I mean, you know, it's a
3: yeah. Yeah, We're all sitting here shaking our heads, going, "Yeah, great podcasting."
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what that rattling noise was.
4: Um, I'm a screw loose, so it must be Ben's rocks. Michaela is (laughs) is the only normal one because she's the biggest Disney fan. Now, (laughs) I think she did a good job in the movie playing Mm -hmm. Tracy. You know the. Well, obviously in, in 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 some ways was the smartest character. So um David Niven's character I think also was was very intelligent. But but with, she was with the kidnappers, which we'll get to the plot of the movie in just a minute. And <laughs> um I think you know she was the one who was the guiding force that led them to the path that they did.
1: Oh definitely.
4: And she was partnered with Brad Savage who was playing Jay her her brother and her brothers had his pet skunk, Duster. <laughs> and Brad Savage was also in the Apple Dumpling Gang, Return from Witch Mountain, and one of my favorite 80 movies, 1980s movies, Red Dawn.
1: Huh. That's right. i have forgotten about that.
4: I didn't know he was in that movie until I was like double, double checking. I was just like, wow, he's in Red Dawn? I was like, whoa. I was, I think, his final movie yeah, I think he retired from films
3: right after that.
4: But uh, he did I mean he played the um, precocious Disney child that gets into trouble and gets everybody else in, in all these different mishaps. and um, nothing ever happens to him really because it's just the way fate is. Everything just happens around him. It's, it's almost like he has a uh, a force field like the invisible woman you know, mm-hmm. and can protect himself from harm.
0: Or bring bad luck to everybody around him.
3: I always thought it was kind of like Shaggy and Scooby, where he just attracts all the weird stuff, and everyone else just
4: deals with it. Well, that's (laughs) true. That's true. I never thought of it that way, Ben. Mm hmm All right. So those are the two children. The only person I wanted to mention real quick is Vic Tabak, who plays Big Joe. And... um, mainly because I like Vic Tayback from being in the original Star Trek episode, a piece of the action, where he played um, Cracko. And, of course, Cracko being a gangster, him being a gangster in this one, it kind of has that nice flow together. But he was also mm-hmm. in uh, the Shaggy DA, Treasure Island, 1985, where he played Silver. All Dogs Go to Heaven. And But he's probably most well-known for... Besides the Star Trek episode, Alice, the TV show where he played Mel from Mel's Diner. And uh, he obviously has great comedic timing. And uh, he's, he has a lot of credits on his IMDb page. And he, he was a great character actor.
1: Oh, definitely.
4: And I think he's, he was the perfect Big Joe. I mean, how many, only, I wonder how much Disney had to spend in the budget for pencils that he kept cracking
0: so
4: oh, many pencils <laughs> <laughs> okay does anybody else want to talk about anybody else in the film
1: well since we were talking about television I do want to make one brief reference to the children's mother Carolyn played by the lovely and talented Barbara Feldon. if that name doesn't ring a bell how about Agent 99
0: get smart Get Smart is a favorite
1: TV show of our families.
0: We I think we've all watched every single episode together.
3: She was the best agent in the whole department.
0: <laughs>
1: she was.
4: Yeah, we talk we talk about the brains of the operation, you know. Yes.
1: <laughs> so it makes sense that Tracy inherited that from her mother. Who, in turn, turn inherited inherited it from her dad. To to think on her feet and to make up stories.
4: (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Tracy could be a spy down the road. (laughs) Or she could be in a reality TV show. Which is what Kim Richards ended up doing, you know, The Real Housewives. Oh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I always like Barbara Feldman. Okay.
0: All right. Do you, uh, Dad? Would you like to give a description of the movie?
4: Okay, a brief little plot so everybody has an idea what the movie was about. If you didn't get it from the trailer a little bit, mischievous youngsters Tracy, Kim Richards, and Jay Brad Savage quickly grow tired of staying with their doll but wealthy grandpa J. W. Osborne, played by David Niven. So they devise a brilliant scheme in hopes of funding a plane trip to China to visit their mom. The kids enlist bumbling burgers bur, bur. bumbling yeah, bumbling burglars. That's a tongue twister. Yeah, bumbling burglars. Burt, Don, Knotts, and Duke Darren McGavin to kidnap them, then demand a huge ransom check from Osborne. Unexpectedly, the children and the crooks bond and begin forgetting all about. Their arrangement. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I guess now. Do you want to say something, Tracy?
1: I was just saying, yeah, that's that's a, a pretty good summary.
4: It doesn't give away what happens in the end.
1: Yeah. Right
4: though if we though I will warn people if we we might end up spoiling different things about the movie we're you know it, but it did come out in 1976
1: <laughs> yeah i think the statute of limitations is pretty much expired
0: oh yeah yeah there'll definitely be spoilers throughout the this podcast about the movie
4: and disney i'm upset with you this movie is not on disney plus get this movie on I- disney plus
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I went to search for it just before uh, we started recording. I'm like, "Darn it!"
4: Yeah, we're lucky enough if we actually own a DVD, but in the in the VHS. So Disney's lie. been getting a lot of, you know, those stockholders of Disney are probably just just raking in money from us.
1: Yes, us with our two and a half stocks and our dividends of a buck and a half every year.
4: Well, that's <laughs> to, at least we know our buck and a half went. And what do you and Scott? Yep. <laughs>
1: There we go.
0: Yeah. So how about we move on to our likes of the movie? And so, Tracy, would you like to go first?
1: Well, seeing as I share a name with one of the main characters, I definitely um, kind of gravitated to Tracy Osborne. As we've mentioned already, she was kind of the brains of the operation. She comes, the one that comes up with the idea to try to find a way to their, uh, her mother, their father. We never really find out what happened to him. It's not stated, really stated whether he has passed on or he's he simply divorced or what's going on. But the only parent we know about in, in grand Disney fashion is the mother. And she's some sort of high-powered executive who is always traveling. So the kids are in a boarding school, and they were supposed to spend their vacation with their grandfather, who, as was mentioned in the plot synopsis, um, they don't get along real well. It's not necessarily so much that he's boring, but that they, again, as we alluded to before, tend to attract trouble. So, Tracy's idea of, you know, just they encounter Duke and Burt kind of by accident, but she picks up on the possibilities almost immediately and comes up with that scam idea of, oh no, we've been kidnapped. Please send money. Just, I thought it was a really fun idea, and the actress herself really sold it to me. Yeah,
0: it was definitely apparent that the whole scam was.
4: Tracy's brainchild. Yeah, and Bird and Duke didn't want to do it at all, And then she told them, oh, I already mailed it.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, they were definitely the um, unwilling participants in the kidnapping.
4: And And I think one of the things I liked was the grandfather's reaction when he received the ransom note. And um, yeah. for those that don't know, the grandfather knows that the children are with the burglars. They followed them to the spot, and he decided, oh, they're okay, they're safe. Let's just, we'll keep somebody here to watch them from a mm-hmm. distance, and uh, we'll see how things play out. And this way he can stay at his place for Easter break and not have the kids there. So he's hoping that it'll take a long time to resolve, that they'll want to be separated, and he doesn't have to worry about putting up with them. But when he does finally get the note, he has a great reaction, which we um, have a clip of.
6: Very um, interesting development here. We have a, a ransom note. Ransom note? Yes. Have children leave one hundred thousand dollars. briefcase. under umbrella tree, Williams gardens, four o'clock. We mean business. A hundred thousand dollars. Good heavens, sir. Uh, shall I ring up the bank? You missed the point. Our little Tracy concocted this nonsense, and somehow she's conned these poor benighted gentlemen into going along with her idiot plan. <coughs> I beg your pardon? Oh, excuse me, sir. If I may, sir, what is our next move? Next move? Well, as the children appear to be in no danger whatever, I shall first finish my breakfast. No. Then we will take additional supplies over to Peter for his prolonged vigil, after which I will have a nice round of golf. Ah, oh, sounds delightful, sir. Also, I'll have... Uh,
4: Bacon and sausage with my eggs. And, again, like we talked about earlier, like Tracy's one of the smart characters. Obviously, the grandfather is, too, and he picks up right away who did all... If you weren't watching the movie prior to this, it just came in, he just gave you the quick summary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, obviously, has no fear at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, the 70s were a very different time, apparently, especially in a Disney movie
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, i don't think they make movies like this anymore <laughs> no.
1: not so much
4: not in a comedic sort of way let's put it that way right
1: now there is a little bit of a uh, additional reason why they are asking specifically for that large amount of money do we want to get into that
4: oh sure go for it tracy
1: so uh, Bert and Duke, again, we, we've already let you know that they're kind of criminal and part of the criminal element. Well, they've managed to get themselves in really hot water with Big Joe, who, of course, is played by Vic Tayback, as we mentioned earlier, and they owe him money. And he stops by a couple times to see them, and the amount of money that they owe him, of course, increases every time he visits. there's a time limit so between the time limit and the money that's why Bert and Duke decide that they're going to go along with the kids idea because they don't really have a choice to do anything else so that's kind of where the whole hijinks ensue part of the movie kicks in
4: exactly and um, the grandfather of course sends a note back refusing to pay until after Easter break and the kids decide. They want to peace and quiet. Yep. E- exactly. And and so Tracy decides to escalate it by calling the police, which we have a little clip of here, which also Big Joe will be part of. So what you just talked about will all get tied in with this clip. Okay, here it goes.
2: What about. You know, if we don't come up with what we owe him, he's liable to go from and click to bangety bang. Uh, we'll just take one thing at a time. Now, uh, first. I don't care how much- Pay that ransom. Never, never, never. Did you leave no. the TV on upstairs? That's no TV. No TV. Help, how can I? Get in that chair
5: over there. Hold on now, Jay. You can do it. I can't, I can't. They're fighting too hard. What'd you say, sir? Pardon me, there's so much noise I can't even hear you. Oh no. There it goes. It just broke down the door. Help, help! They're here now. They're coming in. Tell grandfather. Tell them to pray for us.
2: Who were you talking to?
5: The police.
2: The police.
5: Now they'll take you seriously. Might as well write that second ransom note, Duke. The police will be looking for you anyway.
2: The police? I'm beginning to feel more like the kidnapper than the kidnapper. Well, I don't feel like either one of them. Because there isn't going to be a second ransom note. The police already? They can't be the police. They only move that fast to away. Park cars. Well, go on, open the door. Who is it? It's for you, Duke. Just happened to be in the neighborhood, Duke. Yeah. Well, come by and give you a friendly reminder. 48 hours. Hi, Joe. Big Joe. 48 hours, Duke. Computer doesn't like to be kept waiting, does it, Freddy? No, it doesn't. Hello, kid. How's the putty cat? Joe, we're working on the money. I hope so. We wouldn't want the computer blow a fuse, would we, Freddy? No, we wouldn't. Buffalo, huh? What? Don't tell me you're from Buffalo. Oh, yes. You happen to know a cousin of mine by the name of Frankie Longtooth?
5: No, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, that's funny. Frankie Longtooth is a very prominent citizen in Buffalo. Uh, look, uh, Joe, you've got my word for it. You'll get your money, all $9,000. <coughs> $11,000? Mm. Clickety-click, $48,000.
0: Yeah, and so that kind of demonstrates both the pencil snapping and how much money, af- or the longer it takes for them, the more money they compile up in debt to Big Joe. Yeah, uh, Ben, did you have some likes you wanted to add about the movie?
3: Yes, I liked Duster. I liked Duster very much, especially once I found out it was a real skunk.
0: Oh yeah, Duster's one of the more comedic, I guess, roles that get that are in there.
3: Duster was probably my favorite actor in the whole film.
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm giving a shocked look of, like, really? <laughs>
3: Again, great podcasting. Well, I
4: described
1: I my look. Ben's tongue is tucked firmly in his cheek at this point.
4: I, I want to say when when um, Big Joe refers to the pussycat, cat, he's referring to the skunk. He doesn't know it's a skunk.
0: <laughs> yeah, he just thinks Duster is a cat. Is there any particular part reason like why Duster is your favorite,
3: Ben? Because Duster's hilarious. I like watching Duster. Also, for a skunk, Duster is extremely well behaved. Like, he doesn't really. From the scenes in the movie, he doesn't just sit there and do nothing, but he also doesn't constantly wander all over the set. And for a skunk to be trained that well, it's pretty great. Although, obviously, there are times when he is replaced by a not-real skunk. He has a stunt
4: (laughs) skunk. A stunt skunk. It's almost like a she-shed. It's a a lot of tongue-twisting going on.
0: (laughs) And when would you say the stunt skunk? was used, Ben.
3: Probably in the scenes when he's like about to fall off of the uh, the high-rise that's being built. In the scene where Don Knotts is chasing him. Probably the best scene in the entire film. That could have been its own little short. No sound needed. Could have been a silent film. Don Knotts chasing a skunk.
0: And for (laughs) those of you who don't know, Duster... Gets out of the apartment building, and um, the boy Jay wants to go after him, but Don Knotts says he's not allowed to, so then uh, he ends up going out after him, and he gets a he just has a terrible luck throughout this whole thing. Like the skunk duster is just going along, minding his own business, and then here's Don Knotts following behind him, and he gets beat up by this older lady. And then he almost falls off the roof and then he almost falls off the scaffolding and then he gets the bucket stuck on his head and then falls off the scaffolding and then it's caught and then his belt buckle breaks and then <laughs> he's just having a terrible time of
1: it. Yeah, the aforementioned the, the hijinks ensuing.
3: Oh, I thought he yeah, was incredibly were- lucky.
1: Yeah, there were definitely, this is one of the more slapstick elements of the film, that's for sure. And depending on your tolerance for slapstick, it may may or may not go on a little too long.
0: Yeah, I, I personally find it really enjoyable because slapstick is one of my, I guess, preferred types of comedy um, from a lot of the different plays that I like and have done uh when I was doing theater in college. So, I don't know. I quite enjoy it, but I can see how for someone who's not used to that type of comedy, it can be, it could be considered a little bit too long.
3: In my opinion, I well, thought that what? it was a really great scene and a great sequence, but it, I, f- I feel like it was too long for in this movie. I thought it took away from the movie a little
1: bit. Yeah, as as you mentioned earlier, it would have made a great short in and of itself, but it did, in in my mind, kind of slow down the overall pacing.
4: I think there are there are a few scenes. This is one of them. I think where it hits to me the most. where are both. I agree with both of you, in that it's uh, it takes just a little too long, and it starts to take you out of the movie, and I I, mm-hmm. and I think that happens. A, a, a couple to three times in the movie where there's scenes that are just are like, come on, you can. It's an hour. I mean, it's a hundred. What is it? 111 minutes, or almost. Um, yeah, so it's almost two hours long. And I think they could have edited out maybe 10, 15 minutes by cutting certain mm-hmm. scenes down, and then this would be more smooth of a movie and more of a fun ride I mean it's still a very enjoyable movie but it, I think it. a little bit of editing on some of these scenes would have helped out
1: I'd be curious to see and I haven't had a chance to go back and look but I wonder if this movie was ever made into a two part you know Disneyland, World of Color type TV show where you know they show part of the movie one week and then the rest of the movie another week and that maybe they trimmed down the movie to make it fit or that's the reason it's the running time it is because they were thinking ahead it's like oh we'll need to fill X number of minutes in these two TV slots we better make it at least 112 minutes long
4: that, that sounds reasonable to me I mean I don't know it's uh, something we can answer down the road if, if there is any information on that there's not a lot out there on this film.
1: Yeah, yeah that's that was that was tri- the tricky part trying to do any kind of research on it.
0: Yeah, I have to say, um, some of my favorite parts of the movie. Well, one of them in particular that we haven't talked about yet is when um, they have to go get Duster from the police station, and uh, Darren McGavin's character and. Don Knotts character have to go in and sign for it with uh Tracy and Jay and they end up encountering the police officer that's doing their case and trying to find the missing kidnapped air quotes children and I think we have a clip of that interaction.
2: Well, gentlemen, I'm afraid you're in a little trouble. But, 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 but Sergeant, if I, if I could just explain. You've both been identified by the youngsters. it wasn't our fault. It was a girl's fault. It was her idea. Gee, that, uh, that's right. And you and I didn't want any part of it. No, we you had to... late to be thinking about that now. The law is the law. Oh, well, sure, the law is the law. I mean, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you've got an animal, you've got to have a license. Oh, well, sure, but there's such a thing as mercy. For... And, a, and a right to stand before the bar of justice and say animal. License, animal license. That's what we're here for, right, Sergeant? Certainly. Right.
5: <laughs> Uncle Zook, Uncle Bert. Hi. <laughs> well, we lost Duster on the way home, but then we found him. Sure, get
2: Well, brother I guess that is. about wraps it up, right, it's Sergeant? two dollars for the license. Yes, two dollars. Yes, of course, certainly. Oh. My I'm good. I'm good. Oh. Oh. <laughs> And there's a form for you to fill out. Form? Uh, Do you mind if we take it home and fill it out, Sergeant? Send it back in? Suit yourself. Thank you very much. I'll go to check on that MO right now,
3: Sergeant Turner.
2: Second thought, I think we'll fill it out right here. Okay, Benson. Turn them over. Come on, I know you guys got some fingerprints off that safe at the airport. I thought you were off that case, you old bulldog. I'll be over when I see that safe cracker behind bars. Excuse me. It's working hard, right? Anything break on the kidnapping? Not yet, don't even have any pictures on them. All we know is a couple of kids. Girl about her age, boy about his age. Probably in the hands of a couple of hoodlums.
5: Isn't that terrible, Uncle Duke and Uncle Bert? Two kids uh, our age, in the hands of a couple of hoodlums. Yeah,
2: it's terrible. Here, yeah. the prints are a little smudgy. They'll do.
6: Believe me, Benson, those kidnappers and that safe cracker aren't slipping through my fingers this
0: time.
2: Excuse me. First of all, right?
0: Yeah, and one of the things that makes this scene even more ironic is that uh, Darren McGavin's character, Duke, is the safecracker that he's looking for, as well as one of the kidnappers, and he's standing right next to them and doesn't even realize
1: it. Yeah, this this is such a fun scene. It's so cliche, the whole... One character thinks they're talking about one situation, the other character, it's a completely different situation. I mean, we've we've seen this. I think this is a requirement of most Disney movies at some point, but it's played so well, especially Darren McGavin. Just the expressions on his face as he realizes that the detective is looking for him, and they even point to say, "Oh yeah, the kidnappers. It's the kid. It's the kids about a girl her age and a a boy his age." Just Trying so desperately to keep it together and act nonchalant while inside, you could just tell he is panicking.
4: And that's what so I I, love it. I
1: really enjoyed that scene.
4: Oh, I love that scene. And yeah. um, Sergeant Turner and Longnecker, who's um the detective working with him, mm-hmm. are are throughout the film always a step behind what's going on until the end when they all everything kind of all catches up and gets together. But both those um actors. Played, played the law enforcement guys very well for the, the comedic value and the ones older, ones younger so he played up the old cop, young cop angle also. Yeah. Tracy, you have another thing you want to talk about that you like?
1: Well, you guys have hit most of the key scenes that I was interested in. Um, there is kind of a sweet little scene. I'm trying to remember where it falls, but there's you get this feeling that Duke and Tracy develop not a father daughter relationship, but the, the baby, the closest that she's had in a while. Um, he buys her new clothes at one point. And that, that's just kind of a, a sweet little element that, again, yeah, you kind of expect in a Disney movie, but it was played well and it was well written and it was just real nice. Yeah, and I think
0: that's kind of the time that they switch over from just a convenient arrangement between the four of them to actually kind of starting to get along and, like, realize, oh, I can get along with you. You're not completely a deranged child.
4: (laughs) And and that's also where um, Darren McGavern's finding out that the maid and the cook and all these other people have raised um, both Tracy and Jay a lot because the mom's always busy, you know, doing um, different business for her magazine. And um, Tracy's always, you know, excusing and saying, oh, she's just, you know, uh, complications come up all the time. All these complications, that's why we can't come, or she can't make it to Easter break or those kind of things. And um, uh, Bert, I mean, Sir Duke starts to figure this out. And um, mm-hmm. is able to, like you said, get her that dress, and also she's been cooking the meals for them while they're there, right. and uh, you can just see that 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 friendship developing of um, like like a, like an uncle niece.
1: There we go. Yeah, that that's more been more appropriate.
4: And as it goes on, he gets very protective. And, and then he has some choice words to say to the mom when they finally all get together. And mm-hmm. Which, is, to, to, to me, it's kind of a little harsh because you don't know. You know it's, it's Until you walk in somebody else's shoes. I mean, he's seeing it from the child's point of view. But he doesn't know what's going on in the other person's point of view as to what's happening, You know, and those kind of things. But, you know, you know at least they come to an understanding. And then and she starts to help with the children more.
0: Yeah, and that whole argument takes place during a car chase scene, where they're being chased through a pier by the police. One you
3: of thought <laughs> the wacky races was wacky. You have not seen this.
4: The car chase scene was one of my favorite scenes, and I was going to bring that up as a like. It's again, it, it goes on a little long. <laughs> it's got to mm-hmm. be one of the longest car chase but it's scenes worth in history. It. It is worth it for the bananas, the fish, the and what happens Longnecker's driving the police car and that car
0: it's, it's gone.
4: <laughs> it suffers. I mean it's uh, it, it, yeah. it, as in Disney fashion, you know, with like with the love bug and the Herbie movies, you always see these vehicles. Um the strongest man in the world. What happens to the yeah. um uh I'm not the the, the, um, the Stubbings? No, Higgins. Higgins or stu- Dean Higgins Higgins' car as it falls apart. I mean, Disney's known for doing this, but wh- what happens to, to that police car and other police cars was mm-hmm. ratcheting up a notch. It, it was it was it was very entertaining and, and, and very enjoyable. Well, you can't just take yes. out one police car.
3: You have to take out all the police cars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that specific car. In fact, we just watched it this moment this morning. Reminded me of Smoking the Bandit and the sheriff's car as it progressively becomes destroyed throughout the chase. So I, I'd be curious to see if either of these two movies kind of fed off that idea, or as you mentioned, it's, it's again, a, another somewhat common trope of 1970s comedy is a vehicle slowly falling apart as people are driving it.
4: And you got to love it because the, the Disney's done it where it's been the, um, protagonist car or the antagonist car or sometimes both the cars or vehicles are mm-hmm. the ones suffering from this fate and, and it just I don't know this long necker's whole facial expressions during that where I, he tried to talk on the I think the walkie talking he was talking was to a, a fish, fish. <laughs> uh, it just brings almost a tear to my eye because it's so funny <laughs>
0: Do you have any other likes you want to add, Ben?
3: Um I think we've touched on all my likes, especially Duster. Can't talk about that skunk enough.
0: Yeah, we, we do know that you really love that skunk. Yeah. I do have to say another one of my favorite well, one of my favorite characters is the little boy, Jay. But he knows some judo. And so while they are being held at uh, Bert and Duke's apartment, um, Bert is trying to keep Jay entertained while Duke goes to mail the second ransom note. And so everything that Bert suggests, Jay is doesn't have any interest in. And so Jay finally suggests that he shows Bert some judo. And uh, it's just really funny. And I think we have a clip of that as well. So that would be this one. So here is that clip. Well? Well,
2: what?
5: He said you were to keep me busy. Mm All
2: right, I'll tell you what. I'll give you your choice, old maid or go fish.
5: I hate cards. What then? I got it, judo.
2: I don't know anything about judo.
5: Well, I do. Duster, you sit right there and watch this. (laughs) Come on,
2: Jay. That wouldn't be fair. A grown man like me against a little fellow.
5: Come on, two balls out of three. (laughs) Grab my wrist. you're right you don't know anything about judo
0: and just to let you know uh, Don Knotts ended up in the bathtub from that throw from Jay, who was probably about half his size.
4: Yes, yes, he is. And I think, if I remember correctly, the judo lesson continued. And by the time Duke came back, Bert was definitely very sore. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the scene what? where the, the kids left with Duster to go get ointment or whatever for Bert and which led to the police taking him to the station and that's where they had to go get the um, animal license.
0: Did you have something you wanted to add, Tracy?
1: No, I think I'm good. I, I, we had mentioned earlier that we weren't sure whether we were going to spoil the movie or not, but I, I did like the way everything kind of comes back together. You know, we see the judo that you just referenced that Shows up as an important little plot point later on in the film, as well as the safe cracking. And we'll just leave it there.
4: And uh, but it does, it doesn't, it's not an important plot point at the very end of the film with the judo between um and, Jay and the grandfather.
1: Oh, that's right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: And I think we can share that, because that actually is kind of interesting how those two have the, uh, the little um, interaction. About.
3: I think Jay won another
5: match.
2: I'll get Dr. Butterworth on the telephone.
5: You should have seen it, Tracy. One second I had grandfather in a a wrist lock, and the next second I was in the pond.
6: See, it's all in the balance, my boy. I didn't hurt you, I trust.
5: No, of course not.
6: You know, I uh, used to be a judo champion in the armed service. A real champion? A real champion.
5: Boy, I think you're super, Grandpa.
6: Jameson, do you hear that? Jay thinks I'm super.
5: I think you're super too, Grandpa. Oh, thank you,
6: darling. You know something? I think from now on, we three are going to have a lot of fun together.
5: I think so, too. Me, too. And what did you do after I had you in that Uh, that wrist lock? Come
6: down to the mat, and I'll show you. I'm bigger than you, so use my weight to help yourself. Now, hold my wrist there. The other hand. Now, bend your knees. One, two. No, wait a minute. One, two. Now, you stand there. Imagine that I go... Now, we're even.
3: Complete character development where they just go one minute from avoiding each other for basically a week to throwing <laughs> yourself in the pond for the sake of another person.
4: And finally, Jay loses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thoroughly defeated. But in a good way. Yeah. You know, in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, I mean, and, yes, that's the very end of the movie, but you don't know how everything gets to that point and all these different um, storylines end up being there. There are a lot of them. It's a lot of fun um, going through it. But not everything is always fun with every movie. Sometimes there are things that could be improved upon. Um, that, Tracy, do you have anything um, that you did not like about the film or thought could have been improved?
1: Well, as we mentioned earlier, there's a couple of the things that do kind of drag on a little bit. Um, that's probably my main complaint. The... No, I, I, I guess that would be it. And it does some of the convenient elements. But again, this, it's a Disney movie. There's There's certain tropes, certain things that are going to happen. And it wasn't maybe a tad of lazy writing, but again, this is just meant as lightweight comedy, so nothing particularly deep or meaningful needs to happen. Yeah, I have to so agree. I, oh, did you want to say something else? I was just going to say I I actually liked the film than I better than I thought I would going in, having you know I read the the synopsis of it and i was like oh yeah this is there's probably a reason that this didn't become a disney live action classic like the apple dumpling gang or like some of the other ones that we think of in my opinion it is it's gotten overlooked it deserves being known better than it is you know it might not be a herbie the love buck or an apple dumpling gang but it's it's deserves more than the obscurity it's currently existing in.
4: Especially you know, I said
1: earlier, it's not on Disney Plus. It would be easy enough for them to add and if they do, maybe it'll it'll get a little more notoriety.
4: Yeah, especially with the cast that it has, you'd think it would get yeah. more notoriety.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I have to agree. That's really my only complaint to make about the movie is there are some of the scenes with the pacing where feels like it's almost going a little bit too long but um other than that i don't really have any complaints at all how about you ben
3: i would say my only complaint was the sudden relationship development between darren mcgavin's character and the mom of the two kids because it wasn't really flushed out at all and it kind of happened over a car ride basically which was i know it's like a disney thing where there's always the guy and girl that end up together, but really I don't think it worked in this film, at least as quickly as they tried to do it.
4: Yeah, I don't, I don't know as much of it as a Disney thing as a lot of films in the, especially like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the, um, the, the female lead and the male lead almost always seem to end up together. And Mm -hmm. it's for whatever reason, I mean, and and, and as you said, it happens in a very short period of time to me, it didn't need it. It didn't need it at all. I agree with you, Ben. It didn't need the love angle thrown in there. It it would, again, it would help with pacing, but it really had no point.
0: Yeah. Okay. Is there any other dislikes we want to add?
4: No, I, I agree. I think, I think the main thing was pacing and the, uh, uh, the goal of the pacing thing, I think, at the beginning, when the um, mom did not show up at the boarding school to pick him up, and she had um,
0: an assistant, uh,
4: her assistant pick him up, that was fine, and it should have just moved to the airport with the kids flying. But they went to a restaurant to do a little comedy part where, oh,
1: yeah, I, I forgot about that for good reason.
4: Yeah, and I think <laughs> they should have just cut that part out, and that would have saved five six minutes right there because it really had it did nothing to advance the story except showing that um, jay has a habit of having things happen around people and mm-hmm. which they already established of him being up the flagpole and the skunk and the, the headmistress and the, and the um, toad. toad so they, it, it was almost like okay in, in case you didn't get this jay ha- causes mischief let's do it Five times, you know, or whatever, like in a short period, and it was just, uh, it was th- that. To me, was just like, okay, we got it. Just, just move on. <laughs> well, everything's better with ketchup.
3: <laughs> 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 if you don't understand <laughs> that, watch the movie. You'll understand it very quickly.
0: Because it happens very early in the movie. Okay, so. We're ready. Do we want to move on to the
1: recommendations? So, Tracy, would you recommend this movie? I would. Like I said, uh just a couple minutes ago, I think it is an overlooked Disney live action film that deserves a little bit more recognition given the cast, given the the overall story. It is charming. Um, If you're a fan of the short story, The Ransom of Red Chief by O. Henry, I think you'll enjoy this movie because there's a lot of the same elements in it. And um, I liked the the child actors. Again, Disney 70s movies, the kid actors can kind of be hit or miss. And I think they did a great job with the material they were given. And of course, Don Knotts is a national treasure.
0: And Ben, would you recommend this movie?
3: Yes. In fact, I would give this movie nine Duster Tales out of ten Duster Tales for all the wonderful Duster scenes and all of their hilarious hijinks glory.
1: (laughs) You really like that skunk, don't you?
3: (laughs) This has to be the only protagonist skunk besides the animated one in Bambi that I think I've ever seen.
0: Have you not seen, um, oh, that Looney Tunes... Pepe Le Pew.
3: Yeah, Pepe Le Pew. Oh, Pepe Le Pew wasn't really the protagonist. He was more like an antagonist that just was the point of view. Like, he made trouble for other people.
1: Interesting thought there, that yeah. he's really the antagonist. We're just seeing the movie, uh, the film from the antagonist's point of view. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Are what you am- majoring in film study?
3: <laughs> no. I'm a physical education major. Ah.
1: Okay, and Dad,
0: would you recommend the movie?
4: Yes, I recommend the movie. It's hard to follow this Duster love. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one of the things I do want to mention that we didn't talk about in the movie, in, in the opening credits, they had this great animated sequence with the children and, and Duster and all these different things that – Never happened in the movie. And yeah, it
0: has nothing to do with anything that happens in the movie at
1: all. But it's amazing.
4: It was a standalone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was enjoyable. Yeah, I'm love- oh, sorry, go Tracy.
1: I was just saying, I'd love to know if the animators were working off an early version of the script or if they were told, come up with these little hijinks and gags given that these characters are X, Y, and Z. Again, so would be, I'd, I'd like I'd like to know more about how those you know those credits were created and and where the story like said, so the little story bits came from.
4: And I would too. It's it's, it's a, you know one of those things. Um, maybe Disney has somewhere deep in their archives more information mm-hmm. that one day. I know there's always there's the Disney historians that are unearthing things and then putting them out there for those of us that are fans of these movies or anything that's pretty much Disney related. And uh, so maybe one day it'll will we'll actually get a detailed more a de- a detailed information. Maybe we'll just get a Blu-ray release and it'll have a behind the scenes or making of and then it will answer some of that. But if you're but if you're a fan of Duster, the opening credits is definitely extremely duster centric.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would also recommend this movie i would give it um a very strong recommendation it was one of my favorite movies to watch when i was growing up and i really just like you tracy i think it deserves more recognition than it gets from people and hopefully um if people haven't watched this movie yet they'll watch it um from listening to our podcast and hopefully the It'll get more recognition and maybe it'll finally get put on Disney+.
3: Duster on Disney+. Got my fingers crossed I, already.
1: I do believe, because I think that's how we watched it, that it is available through the Netflix DVD by mail service. It's not on streaming, but if you happen to subscribe and get their DVDs through the mail, no deposit, no return is, I believe, one of the ones that's available.
4: Yes, I think that I remember um, you You telling us that's how, or Scott telling me, that's how you guys are getting it. And um, <laughs> it's good that, you know, there's other alternative mev- methods to get it. I mean, again, it is also available to purchase on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's also, besides DVD, I think you can buy it where you can own the digital version or stream it. Um, It's not available on Amazon Prime, but I think it's like for a few dollars. You can rent it and enjoy it. And this is – it's a great family film. I mean, really, it don't matter how old the children are, they're going to find something to latch on to and enjoy uh, during this film. And it's just just a fun film. Yeah,
0: it really is.
4: And Tracy, just again – um, can you, share, you know, share your contact information for um, Disney Indiana? And um, now that you changed your name from We've <laughs> Stuffed with Character, Stuffed with Character. Yep. Thank you. Sure. <laughs>
1: I'm Once sorry. again, the Disney Indiana podcast can be found on the web at DisneyIndiana.com or do a search in iTunes or Facebook for Disney Indiana podcast. And the Stuffed with Character uh, Stuffed. Soft figure fan- fandom figures can also be found on Facebook by doing a search for "stuffed with character."
4: Awesome! Who knows? Maybe Ben will be contact you. Need to do a duster. <laughs>
1: I've only done one animal so far. Everybody else has been people, but uh, I I might be up to the challenge.
4: And which animal was that, Tracy?
1: That was Goose from the Captain Marvel film, Goose the cat. And we or are. Or lurking, as the case may be. Yeah.
4: And we, we are big goose fans in this household. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't argue with goose people. If, if goose is with you, just keep a safe distance. Do not bring them up to eye level.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> no.
4: Unless you want to wear an eye patch for the rest of your life.
3: <laughs> it added lots of patina. Or character, I guess you would say character, because
4: he's a person. Okay, Ben, thank you for sharing. <laughs> and Tracy, what um, on your podcast, what, what do you guys have coming out in um, the month of December?
1: Well, we're going to wrap up uh, our monthly segment this year. We've been focusing on comparing and contrasting attractions found at both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, such as for November we covered the Tiki Room, in October we covered the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. We, for this month, we're probably going to be talking some more Disney Plus, and in December we'll also be pulling in some of the Epcot Storyteller recordings that we made I want to say back in 2008 or 2009. So we'll be kind of revisiting those to help our listeners celebrate the season.
4: Your podcast has definitely been around for a long time.
1: (laughs) Yes, we are in our 12th year, believe it or not.
4: And for those that like following Disney Indiana, you can actually Get a, uh, a residence in Disney, Indiana, a virtual residence.
1: Yes. Uh, part of our little shtick, if you will, is that Disney, Indiana is a real place. And many of our listeners have taken up residence. It's very easy to do. All you need to do is come up with some sort of Disney themed address. We have people living on Cherry Street Lane. We have uh, another couple, a uh, D- Star Wars couple that is on Alderon Memorial Drive and um, yeah you can send that in to us and we'll post it on our webpage
4: and I think they have 111 residents with over 150 people or you know, resident mm-hmm. like houses and um, I'm in there I'm the last one that's why I know it's 111 unless somebody's joined since then <laughs> and mean, that's your number yep Yeah. 1977 Possum Possum Oh Lord Help me, Michaela. Pass the
1: Casper yeah, Pass the Pass Maquoddy Maquoddy. Lane.
4: But I called it Passion Maslotti because I could never get it right. So I called it Passion Maslotti. <laughs> so I, it is purposely done wrong because <laughs> I could never get it right. I feel just like the man <laughs> that could never say the name.
1: Yeah.
4: But, um, well, Michaela, i also saying thank you, Tracy, for joining us.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for letting me come on your show. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll make play. sure to Oops, talk sorry. about the diecast podcast in our next episode and if you guys have put a promo together please let us know and we'd be happy to play it
0: okay yeah and hopefully we'll be able to have you on to do another episode with us at some point in the future sounds like fun
4: all right and well i think we'll exit out with um, some of the music from the opening credits